0: My name is Ruthie, and I am a Christian who has survived a mass shooting. Walked up the steps, like he walked up the walkway, and he it's like, first person he killed was the security guard, Sean, that was at the door. And those were those first initial shots we heard. And it was when Christina was shot, when everyone started screaming. And it was when I was laying on that floor when I realized, oh my gosh, I'm gonna die tonight. And the thought that just like killed me and like made me so scared was picturing like the police having to go back to my house. Like I lived three hours north and like going to my parents' house and telling my mom that I died.
1: The I'm a Christian Who podcast is brought to you by Salt, the dating app made by Christians for Christians. Not only does Salt introduce you to other amazing singles, it lets you match and connect on specific values, character traits, and interests. Even if yours are honesty, memes, or football, They also have daily live audio events where you can connect, talk, and chat live with hundreds of other single Christians on loads of different topics from dating to films, spirituality, and more. Download the Salt app today, and for those in the U.S. and Canada, use code CWCS for three months of free premium. Wherever you are, if you meet someone special, let us know, and we'll feature you on our Insta story and get Salt to pay for your next date. Go on, add some salt to your love life. You've got nothing to lose. Man, that is... a, an insane story, and I just can't imagine, you know, w- what you've been through. But before we get to all that, I want to get to know who you are as a person, because I don't want to define you, you know, by this one event or by anything you've been through. So, who are you right now? Who, like, what? What is something that's unique about you?
0: Yeah, I love that you say that, because that's something that I'm always like. I don't want to be defined by just that. But yeah, I'm a special <laughs> education teacher. I love my kids. This is my third year doing it.
1: What do you like about teaching special ed?
0: just how I can relate to these kids who are so often overlooked. My brother has a severe disability. And so growing up with uh, a sibling that kind of went through receiving those services and just seeing how much it impacted my family, my parents, I really wanted to be able to give back to that community because there were so many uh, teachers and service providers that so positively impacted him and our family. Um, So I just love that I can be in kind of that niche situation because so many of my kids just are overlooked and brushed to the side and no one Mm -hmm. gives them the time of day. So I love that I can be able to relate to them and try to make them feel special and loved. Even if they don't learn (laughs) what a noun or an adjective is, I hope that they can just Loved and that they're important at the end of
1: the day. All right, so let's talk about the mass shooting that that you survived. You were you're a survivor of the Borderline Bar and Grill mass shooting. So before I ask you kind of a, about that day, can you? It's it's sad that there's been so many that I have to ask you to remind people. You know w- which one that is. But when was it, and what is it kind of? What was it kind of remembered for?
0: So it happened November seventh. 2018 it was in the city of thousand oaks um in california it's kind of known as the country bar shooting mm-hmm. um so just a year literally a year a month and six days previously was the route 91 festival that a lot of people know knows the country shoot like the country match or whatever um so it was that's kind of what it's known as and kind of a unique thing i guess is there were like pretty sure like 14 people that were at the route 91 shooting that were also involved in the borderline shooting. And one of the victims from borderline, he actually made it out and realized, I wish I would have gone back to like to route. I wish I would have gone back and helped more people. So he actually got out of borderline out of the bar and chose to go back in to try to help rescue other people. And that's, he died trying to take down the gunman, um, So that was something that's like really hard to hold and just make space for is the fact that there were so many people that had just celebrated the one year anniversary of another tragedy and now live through almost, I mean, the exact same thing. But
1: yeah, also that many people who went through it twice, you know, it would be an anomaly if it was one, but to have 14 that, that lived through it again, like that's just insane. All right, so let's go back to that day. What, b- before you went to the Borderline Bar & Grill, what was that day like leading up to it?
0: Interesting, it was a normal day. I was attending Cal State Channel Islands, um, lived on campus, was going to class. What's really interesting, and this does play a part in my story later on, is November 7th, We had like I had a class where I was doing a presentation, and it had been rescheduled because that previous week, halloween so just a week prior our school got shut down for a gun threat we were told that there was a gunman on our campus and so we were evacuated sent back to our dorms and kind of freaked out but also at the same time being like what is going on like they're handling this poorly they just sent a throng of people out into the quad to go back to the park the parking lot in their dorms like what is going on so it's the like similarities between that is just insane. <laughs> so I'm in class on Wednesday, November 7th, doing my presentation that I wasn't able to give the previous week because we were sent home for a gun threat. I remember I went to Target and they had a ton of like clearance pumpkin spice stuff. So I, there's like pictures on my Instagram of me being like, look what I shot at Target. Uh, <sighs> it's just a normal day. And it's funny because we talk about the last meal that would have been was this awful vegan black bean burger that like it was just not good <laughs> and we were like if that was our last meal like oh my gosh <laughs> um, this
1: is why you, you just have to live it up and have the best meals you can all the time right
0: <laughs> yeah yeah we we're like no more <laughs> so we had that and then afterwards um, we went to bible study our bible study always met on wednesday night and we had gone to bible study dressed in our Borderline is a country line dance bar. And so we like boots and we had everything because we were like, we're going to finish Bible study right at nine and then go to Borderline. And so, yeah, it was just normal, normal um, Bible study. We talked about uh, the vine and the branches. Like, I distinctly remember that Bible study. Like, and I still try to be like, okay, God, what were you trying to teach me? (laughs) That being the lesson from that night. Um, but yeah, it was just normal. And I was on my way. Like we were, uh, borderline was 20 minutes away. So we were on our way and we were actually talking about buying stagecoach tickets. And so we were looking at stagecoach tickets. And one of my friends from back home just happened to text me and was like, Hey, I just wanted you to know, like, I love you. I'm praying for you. Like God just put it on my heart to pray for you and to tell you that I'm praying for you. And I was just like, cool, like, love you, like, miss you, not having any, any clue, any recollection, like, any realization, I could say, of what that was going to mean to me later on, um, and yeah, we were all going, specifically that night, we invited a ton of people, because it was one of our friends from Bible studies' birthday, and so they do, like, a special birthday line dance in the middle, uh, and so there were so many more of us that night than who normally come. Um, a lot of first timers, a lot of people who weren't don't even like to line dance, don't like country music, but were like, Oh, we're here for Nelly's birthday, like it's fine. It was just different in so many ways. And I mean, even like me and my friend actually kind of made like almost like a running dock of all the interesting things and the different things about that night. And I remember I was wearing pants, which I normally would wear a dress in my boots. One of our friends who normally goes didn't go because she had to study. Like it's crazy how vivid those little things are from that night.
1: So you get there, you know, you, you've had a very normal day. You get there, so when did things start going wrong? Like, when did you realize, like, this fun night I'm out with my friends just turned into my life is in danger?
0: So it was 1108, I believe is the exact timestamp, when the first shot fired. It's kind of crazy because I heard those shots and I automatically was like, oh, it's just balloons for the birthday song, because. 11 is when they always do the birthday song so i was like oh we're just doing yeah. it early i guess so my literally i was like oh it's balloons popping like that was instant first thought and like i was at the like very back of the bar the backside um that's closest to like the freeway i was just kind of pushed back um so farthest away from the entrance and me and my friends could like couldn't see what was going on didn't know what was happening and then it happened again and some people started ducking. And my brain went back to the previous week at school where we were told, duck and cover, but nothing happened. And so my brain was like, it's fake. It's not real. Like, calm down. Wow. And so I didn't duck. I was just like, we're fine. <laughs> like, I think I know what gunshots sound like. And then so he walked up the steps, like, he walked up the walkway and he. Like, first person he killed was the security guard that was at the door. And those were those first initial shots we heard. And it was when Christina was shot, everyone started screaming and freaking out and realized.
1: Now, who is Christina? Is is Christina someone, someone you brought with you?
0: No, Christina was one of the workers. We had talked to her that night, and I referenced a lot of them by name just because, I mean, I feel very close to them. And I like, it sounds weird, but like we all in our community, our borderline community, we refer to them as like our 12 angels, very close to us. Yeah. yeah
1: so, so I, I can imagine like, you know, everybody's ducking you, you now know there's a gunman in the, I mean, what did you realize at that moment? Like this is a gunman and my life is in danger.
0: Um, I realized I didn't know what was going on and ducked anyway. I didn't know if there was, like, police in there or someone else or if it was just him. Um, So I ducked and, like, hit the deck, essentially. And then he started shooting out the back wall that is near where I was. It's all windows. And so he started shooting out all the windows, and that's when the sound... I mean, it's weird how your brain processes trauma because I remember that, and I remember glass shattering, but, like, everything else is silent in my head. Like, it's weird. Mm -hmm. But once... The windows started being shot out. That's when I was like, oh, crap. No, this is for real. I kind of dove and hid underneath the bar. Like the front side of the bar had like a little dip, almost like where people would put their feet. Uh, And so I was hiding underneath that. I mean, maybe a foot, half a foot tall, just trying to be out of the way and just kind of laid flat. And there was silence because I remember him walking around. And then you were hearing gunshots again of him shooting people on the floor and that's when i realized nope i'm not dying i'm getting out of here um and so i saw some people going up i was right by the bar which kind of has a little kitchen attached to it and has an attic and so there were people going up into the attic and i was like i'm getting up there i don't care how like i'm gonna get up in this attic and we were kind of like frozen not moving Uh, but there were so many people i guess part of the country community or whatever that were law enforcement officers or familiar with guns. So they were counting the rounds and they could recognize what type of gun he had, um, how full wow. cool the magazine was. And so they're literally counting the rounds. Uh, so that silence was him reloading. I remember laying there hearing the silence, not thinking anything, but just thinking like I have to get in this attic. And it was when I was laying on that floor, like when I realized, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die tonight. And the thought that just, like, killed me and, like, made me so scared was picturing, like, the police having to go back to my house. Like, I lived three hours north and, like, going to my parents' house and telling my mom that I died. Like, that was the, that was the thing that, like, shook me to the fore. And so I immediately started praying. Like, it was crazy how quick that thought was just, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. And I was just like, dear Jesus, please, please keep me alive. Please keep me alive. Just praying that over and over again. Um, so, yeah, there's the silence. I got up because I saw other people getting up and started to go this way towards the attic. And guy grabbed me and, like, grabbed my arm and shoved me towards the window. And, like, I had no idea what he was doing, um, but the windows had been like completely just shot out. And also a lot of guys had taken chairs and hit the windows with the chairs, breaking the windows. And so I ended up jumping out. It's like 15 to 20 feet high. I jumped out the window, but it was crazy because I remember looking back, like I'm standing on the windowsill, And I looked back and I see people laying on the floor. I see people just in chaos. And I was like, I'm scared of hikes. Like, I don't want to jump. Like that was the first thought in my brain. Um, but I jumped because I was like, well, this is, this is the only, this is the only option right now. Um, and I had just severely fractured my foot two months earlier and I had physical therapy that like previous morning. And I was like, my physical therapist is going to be so mad at me. (laughs) I'm going to hurt my foot again. Um, but yeah, I jumped out the window, um, along with a ton of other people just, kind of to get out of
1: there. So at what point did you feel like you were in the clear that you were safe? Like you you jumped 15 to 20 feet, which is just, I mean, I feel like that's just adrenaline at that point, try, trying to get you out of there. But you know, you, you told a great story of, of how you got through and how you got out. When did you know you were safe though, and that like the gunman was was taking care of, you know, all, all of the follow-up?
0: So I didn't feel safe probably until about 6 a.m. that morning. After I jumped out the window, um, I just started running the parking lot and along with everyone else I mean we're just running and I'm starting to see people around me with serious wounds I mean everyone's bleeding everyone's crying everyone's freaking out and so I'm trying to like help almost triage and then it hit me that I don't know where any of my friends are like I was with like 16 different people that night and I was like I don't know where any of them are my phone was about to die and I was like I have no idea what's happening and so I'm just running trying to get away and i ended up meeting up with four of my friends that were like my roommates so we had all driven together we were missing one girl though there was five of us that came and there was just four of us so we were like where is so and so but we ended up hiding in the bushes um outside the it's it's weird borderlines in like a business complex (laughs) Mm -hmm. so we were hiding in the bushes farthest away because we continued hearing shots being fired, which we now know was from Ventura County Sheriff and CHP, responded within, I think it was literally like two minutes, but we're hearing these gunshots thinking there's multiple gunmen. And so that's why we hid in bushes for about 10 minutes, just like not knowing what to do. And it's crazy because everyone's reactions were so different. I think I was just freaking out. One of my friends was on Snapchat trying to like snap people and be like, yeah, I guess there's a shooting right now, like just totally over her head. One of my friends was shocked. And then the other was like, angry yelling.
1: So wow.
0: it was just crazy. And I now know, like, after like, going through therapy and seeing the psychology behind it, that's totally normal. Like, you're always going to have those people in each group.
1: Yeah, I mean, here's what I want to ask about where I think the story because we're at the point now where I think the story ends for most people, like where, um, you know, the media, like, you know, you, you got out, you're safe, but in some ways now is where the trauma begins for you. Like, it, it's like a beginning of a whole new life for you. So, you know, we, we see all the shots of, you know, people reacting and, you know, crying outside the bar, but you go home And you now have to live a life having gone through this. So what was that next day like when, you know, you you wake up for the first time and you realize that just happened?
0: I was with my roommate's family. I'm not driving home at three in the morning. So we stayed with them and woke up that next morning. And it was weird because like I was having all these people text me just like, what's going on? It was crazy because, We ended up going back to campus to like get our stuff. Like I said, my family's three hours away. I had some cousins like an hour away. So I called them to come get me and they came and got me and thank God they did when they did because that very next day. So November 8th, two massive wildfire wildfires broke out and evacuated the entire community and our school, our school shut down for three weeks because of these wildfires and like people were. Trapped on the 101 for hours as the fires are going by. Um, so it was just like I wasn't directly impacted by the fire trauma, but it was just like I didn't even have a chance to process what is going on because it was just like boom, boom, boom. So I left, went to my cousin's, ended up finally getting home. And it was just like numb. Like, I mean, such deep feelings of numbness of just like. I don't know what just happened. Like it was, I couldn't even begin processing because I was still pretty in shock. Um I definitely had waves of survivor guilt in those first probably 6 to 8 months, but it was really intense in the first month of this kind of why am I alive? Why isn't so and so alive? Like he was destined to do much greater things than me like Why am I here? Yeah, so just a lot of numbness and fear. Oh, I was terrified to go out in public anywhere.
1: How long did it take you? I I mean, I can imagine that fear, like when you said that just now, like I can imagine, how do you go out again? Like how long did it take for you to feel comfortable in a public place again?
0: Um, (laughs) Actually comfortable, I would probably say this year is when I've finally been able to not be so jump scare every time.
1: What was it like before this year when you would try to to go out to a public place? Like what, what were the emotions you would feel?
0: So it definitely varied depending on the time, like directly after, I was just constantly looking over my shoulder, every little sound, I was looking for exits. I couldn't, I would just freak out. Like I couldn't leave like my home willingly. Um it was yeah, just a lot of being scared and then also like profiling everyone of being like, Well maybe they have that in their purse or maybe they already have a gun in their sweatshirt or just being so hyper aware of everything. But whereas like last year it's more of just like, Oh, I go to a restaurant, I sit with my back not to the door and I'm looking at the door, and I'm aware of where the exits are. But yeah, it was just a lot of anxiety. And I found my triggers really quickly and realized kind of what they were through like the process of therapy and stuff. We really worked through those. But just, yeah, a lot of anxiety.
1: Yeah. I mean, you just mentioned that therapy played a, a big role in your he- healing journey. So can you elaborate a little bit on like when you got started with that and how it helped you cope and recover?
0: So I am a huge proponent of therapy. Love it. <laughs> Still in it. It's great. Um, not just for traumatic experiences. I started therapy for borderline. I think like a week, maybe a week or two after everything happened. And I did like talk therapy, but I also did something called EMDR, which is eye movement deprivation. Oh, I can't remember what the R stands for, but it's essentially just where you're reprocessing a, an event and allowing your body to actually process it. So in that moment, you're just reacting to everything. Like, I mean, I was on fight or flight or freeze the whole time, like probably for 24 hours afterwards. Like I could not get out of that. And so what's happening is your body is just sending all its energy to your extremities and you're working on running or fighting. And so your brain isn't processing, oh, this just happened. Oh, I need to react like this or whatever. So EMDR essentially allows your body to process an event in a safe space and in a controlled environment. And it uses eye movement. So either a light bar or um, one of my therapists would just move her fingers back and forth like this. And you're just following the light Mm -hmm. bar or the fingers as you're talking it through because the bilateral movements of your brain allow you to process that situation. Uh, Wow. It's so interesting. I love the science behind it. And my therapist even told me, like, if you don't have time to, like, come in for therapy and you're feeling triggered, go on a walk. Because when you're walking, you're, again, using the bilateral of the left, right of your feet versus your arms and all that. Um, But, yeah, I had no doubts that I needed therapy. And it's interesting because some of my friends still to this day have not gone to therapy and don't find it necessary. And I'm like, okay, like, you do you. I'm just scared of when it is going to come up because I feel like, those feelings and those emotions eventually work themselves out in different situations. Um, so, yeah, there was no doubt in my mind of just like, nope, we're going to therapy. <laughs>
1: What advice would you... I mean, I feel like you you mentioned you were, you're were you in a community where not everybody is, is accepting of therapy. So I think there are a lot of other people out there who go through traumatic events. Uh, you know, it, it, it's all a scale, what, what someone considers trauma. I mean, it could be something smaller than what you went through. It could be something bigger than, than what you went through. So what advice would you give someone who's experienced a traumatic event, um, but they're in a place uh, or an area where therapy is frowned upon? What advice would you give them?
0: You need to do you. Like, I hate that that sentence has been kind of warped by pop culture, but like you need to do what's best for you. Um, And if that means not telling anyone and doing it on your phone in your bedroom with your door shut, whatever. But like you need to help yourself because otherwise you're going to be a disaster for everyone else. And I know one of my big fears is I didn't want to be known as the, sur- the mass shooting survivor like i didn't want to be known as the girl with anxiety or whatever um and that was super important for me to work on myself and to put in that work uh regardless of what people said because i got a lot of oh just pray like god will help you and i was like okay but god also equipped individuals to study the brain and study how that works <laughs> so i'm gonna lean on that too uh <laughs> which obviously in the moment I was probably just like, yeah, you can shut up. But like now (laughs) I've kind of learned to articulate that a little better, but yeah, it just, you need to do what's best for you and reach out to other people who have been through similar things. I know I'm a part of Facebook groups that offer support. I mean, we have a borderline support group, but then also others as well. And I through those groups learned about like actual compensation methods for that. So In California, we have the California Victims Compensation Board, and they actually paid for a set amount of therapy sessions for me. So, like, my first two years of therapy, I didn't pay anything for. Wow. Um, And then the Red Cross was also offering support and services, and I did stuff through them as well. And just a lot of local mental health agencies I was able to just find out about because of being in other groups.
1: What, what, was there a specific moment that you remember that felt like a turning point in, in your therapy of like, I'm going to be OK? Because I feel like the, the, the reason a lot of Christians that I've heard, you know, don't like is they feel like it's useless. It's just talking to somebody and and it, it's not going to help. But do you remember a specific moment or exercise or something that you did where you knew it was going to be OK?
0: I think finally was able to genuinely open up to my therapist. I cried a lot, (laughs) a lot. That's when I kind of realized like, okay, no, like this is good. Like this is working. And it sounds backwards of like being super vulnerable, but that was kind of a moment when I finally let my walls down and finally was just like, I am having an awful time and I can't go to class and I can't get out of bed in the morning and all these things and was just crying about it. Um, I think that was the most helpful Um, and also when I was able to leave at the end of that spring semester of 2019 and go back home and use the skills that I had learned like over the summer, that's when I kind of started to realize, okay, I can handle this Was having, and that's just for me. I'm a very hands-on person. So to have skills, I can coping mechanisms that are healthy and positive. That was really what helped me the most and kind of helped me realize it's going to be okay.
1: (laughs) Now, I I do want to hear a little bit about the faith aspect in all of this, because I think a lot of people, when they go through traumatic events, the instant reaction they can have is, why would God put me through this? Why would a good God make this happen to me? So what happened with your faith in those moments after the shooting during your recovery?
0: I definitely felt alone a lot. And it's interesting because I was born and raised in the church. Like I've done all the church things all that but i just felt alone and just kind of betrayed by god of just like where are you like what the heck is going on um and it was probably about four months after it happened i was listening to a worship song i'm a praise team at my church and i was listening to a worship song uh, called here again by elevation and bridge says not for a minute was I forsaken the Lord was in this place and for some reason it clicked with me of like like my mind went to a flashback of laying on that ground hiding under the bar praying and realizing oh God was there like God was there right next to me he didn't leave me yes we live in a sinful and a fallen and a broken world where stuff like this happens and continues to happen but I found a lot of comfort in just realizing that no god was there right next to me and it was it's weird too cuz even now i struggle with it so much especially being a teacher and hearing about school shootings like it breaks my heart and it is so hard sometimes to go to school when this has just happened and all i had left leon was god and it was hard because yeah i was frustrated and i was mad but it really helped also that i had community that bible study that i was a part of those those people are like forever best friends, because we went through that together. We still had each other afterwards. We sat through Bible study, even though we were feeling various emotions, but we were honest about those emotions and in that community with one another. I think that was super important.
1: Is, is there anything you wish more people knew about you or the long-term effects of surviving a, a traumatic event? Because I think when, I, m- my guess would be when people find out what you've been through, they want to hear the whole story, you know, the, 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 that kind of thing. And not knowing what kind of boundaries you want or have been through or have put up, you know, through therapy. So what do you want more people to know?
0: I'm not defined by <laughs> that. That's, I think, my biggest thing is I was just like, even getting my tattoo, I was like, I do not want people just to be like, oh, like, you're a survivor. Like, no, like, that's my biggest thing.
1: What's your tattoo?
0: It's a sunshine with 12, like, rays coming from it. And it just, Mm -hmm. it doesn't say anything, but people will, like, ask and be like, oh, what is that? And I'm like, it's for 12 special people. And they're like, who? (laughs) Like, depending on the relationship I have with them, I'm like, hey, we'll see. But like some people, some of my friends did get tattoos that just said Survivor. And I was like, nope, mm -mm, like don't put that label on me. Uh, But yeah, as far as like boundaries and stuff, just realize that like it is such a, it's always going to be a sensitive topic, even if we're not showing it. Um, I've had people make jokes before and I'm like, really? Like, can you be a little more sensitive? You know, like who I am. It's not fun. It's never going to be funny. Um, but yeah, just being sensitive and realizing that we're not always going to show it. Like I operate just fine. I am, I'm fully functioning, like living my life, but there's little things that are going to irk me wrong and I might go home and cry about it, but like, don't think that just because I'm looking fine and I'm doing fine, nothing's hard. And especially around the anniversaries, we have the five-year anniversary coming up in November. I'm a little terrified and just having that support from friends of, being able to talk to them or be real with them, I really appreciate. Um, But yeah, like, don't, don't put me in that box. Don't put me in a label just because of something I went through Um, and don't take it for granted. Like don't exploit the story. I guess I do trainings for our state law enforcement agency about active shooter training. I like help and share that story. And I was very apprehensive to start doing it because I was like, I'm not something for you to, like, look cool about. Like, please do not exploit my story. Like, realize that there is a person behind this that has real feelings and real emotions. They go through their life. And I think that's something I wish I could communicate to everyone is you don't know what someone's going through. Like, the person standing next to you might have an RBF on, but that could just be because their mom died and they're not showing. Like, that's something I try to be really aware of. Just throughout my daily, and I wish other people would as well, is like, you don't know what's happening. Like, yeah, the 250 of us, we went to class that next week and had to act like everything was normal. We went to our jobs. No one knows. Just be sensitive.
1: Yeah, I I think that's so fascinating because I, I think the thing that's really tough is, especially now with how often these sorts of things happen, regardless of what side of the political aisle you're on unfortunately these stories can be politicized and I think when people hear your story there's an instant question you know that they get in their head and I want to be very clear I intentionally am not asking you those questions because I don't think they have anything to do with with the situation or your healing journey I wanted to focus more on your healing journey but I think I like it resonated with me a lot what you said with you know people joking about it or things like that and people may assume a lot of things about you. They may have assumed, you know, you're over it. You've been through therapy. You're fine now. But I think it's important to hear what what you just said, which is you have to, you can't just make these assumptions about people. You have to like, you know, um ask them and if they show signs of not being interested in talking you need to see that and and stop the conversation and and respect the boundaries that they have and the, the sad thing is you know people like you who have been through things like this are walking are, are walking amongst us because you you seem like someone who you don't go out and brag about this this story a lot we could work with people we could know people in our families who have been in situations like that so it's important to see your story it's unfortunate and sad that it's not rare, which is why I'm glad that you are willing to come on here and share the story, because we need to think that we, we know you in In our life, there's likely someone in our life who has been through a traumatic event at the level you've been through, and we need to learn how to have those conversations when they do come up. And I'm so thankful that you were willing to come on and share the the realities of your stories and that and the healing journey because I think it's educated me a lot on how I want to have conversations moving forward with people who have been through tra- traumatic events, not just shootings. So uh, i'm I'm really, really grateful that you were able to share the story.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love to be able to share my experience for a positive thing. I don't think that God just has stuff, bad stuff happen just for bad stuff to happen. I always want to see the good that comes from it and want to see the good that is the outcome of bad things happening. I think that's the great thing about our Lord is take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good.
1: Are there any um, resources, books, websites, anything like that for anyone who's been through a, a trauma that you would recommend?
0: Uh, the body the score it's a very informative book just about how your body holds on to trauma and how it processes it and it comes up at different times and then also just i really emdr i could just push that <laughs> till the bitter <laughs> end of just how great that specific therapy is be able to work through those hard things that have came up
1: awesome thank you so much